You've just tuned into the Unify podcast from Unify Youth. Our goal is to equip young people with the Word of God so they can live empowered in Christ and tackle the challenges of this world. Tune in for weekly sermons, devotions, and interviews. Welcome to the Unify podcast. Join me as we open in prayer and we're going to get right into our first study together this evening. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, I do want to thank you and praise you for the wonderful opportunity that you give all of us tonight to be able to open your word, uh, to be able to learn from it. I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would help us to see big and wonderful things about you that we've never seen before, that we would worship you and you would encourage us in the areas that we all need to be encouraged and strengthened. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, it's my privilege this evening to begin our first study in this wonderful series that Matt has chosen from the book of Genesis. Now, if you have your program, you can open it up and you'll be able to uh, see a space there where you can fill in some notes. And my focus in this first session is going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through to Genesis 2 and verse 3. And what I want to simply introduce you to in this amazing beginnings of the Bible is really the beginning of everything. Now, I want to start off with something really obvious. I think every single one of you know this. I don't need to convince you of it. The universe that you are in is here. You are here. You're alive. And I can tell you're alive because you are looking at me. And if you are falling asleep, I can poke you and you will begin to make some noises and you will prove my theory. You are here, okay? And I know you're here. You know you're here. You know I'm here. And we all know that we're in this world. Now, let's think about the world that every single one of us is in. This world is full of so many different things. The universe that we're in has so many objects. There's the obvious things like mountains and trees and animals. But as you begin to study the universe and study this world, you will see that there's some incredible details that are hidden from people's eyes. And as you look at them very closely, we learn so many more things in this world. The more you learn, the more you discover. And there is so much in this world. You can go into the depths of the ocean and you can discover things. You can go into the heights of space and discover things. You can go into a forest and discover things. You can be in a desert and discover things. There are so many things in this world. But how did this world get here? How did we get here? What is the explanation for this universe? These are really important questions, and these questions are so important that they're going to actually determine how you should live in this world. Now, amongst people who 
have lots of views on these things. There's three major explanations as to how we all got here. Explanation number one says, well, there was absolutely nothing. And then there was something. And that something over time became what it is now. But there's a big problem. If there was nothing, nothing is actually nothing, and nothing can't become something, that just doesn't make sense. There are other people who will say, well, that's true. There was not nothing. There was something. And the something was a mass, a blob. And this mass became what we are now whether it exploded, whether it transformed, whatever it was, that mass became what we are and eventually came this world. But, but where did that mass come from, that mass of meaninglessness? Well, if the first one or the second one is true, guess what that means about you? It really means that your life in this world is actually pretty random. It means that your life in this world has no real purpose at all. And you really just need to make of life what you can. And if someone's better than you, too bad. They're better than you and you're no good and there is no hope for you in this world. Now, I'm not going to finish my message there because there is an alternative to that. But if those first two options are true, you need to understand that that means there is actually no real significance to anything in this world at all. It was a coincidence or it was random. And your life is not meaningful and it doesn't matter if you lose your life. But there is a third explanation as to why you are here and why this universe is here. And that's because the explanation states that there was always one who self-existed. And this one who always self-existed chose to bring this universe into existence. And not only did he choose to bring this universe into existence, he chose to do it for he chose to do it for a purpose that would magnify his great name. All of a sudden meaning that there is a purpose and a significance to what's going on in this world. Of course, that third view is what the Bible teaches. And I'm not going to go into all the arguments as to why the first and second reasons are wrong, though I really do believe that they are wrong and there is so much evidence to prove that those first two reasons are completely wrong, they are dangerous and they are evil. I am convinced of that third view. And that third view is what we do read in the Bible. And what I want you to notice, and we're going to look at this in our first session, is as you look at Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, and go all the way through to chapter 2 and verse 3, there's so many things that we could learn in this chapter. But there's two big points I want you to see. The first point is actually found in verses 1 and 2. 
But there is a sense in which this first point actually lasts from Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 all the way to Revelation chapter 22. And if you're not sure, that's 1,189 chapters. And that theme is God. The whole Bible is about God and we can learn so much about him from the entire Bible. But I want you to see Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 tells us about the God of creation. And we're going to learn some things about him just from those first two verses. But then secondly, have a look at your chapter there. I want you to see in chapter 1 verse 3 all the way to chapter 2 and verse 3, we're going to learn about the days of creation. So you can see a little bit of a theme here. Chapter 1 of Genesis is about creation. It's about how the universe came into existence. And when we learn about creation, we actually learn about the one who created it, the God of creation. And then we're going to learn something very fascinating about the days of creation in which God brought all things into existence. But before I jump into those two points, I want to give you just a little bit of an introduction about the book of Genesis for a moment, because we're going to be studying it over four studies this weekend, and you'll be hearing from Matt tomorrow morning with the next message, and I'll come in with the third, and Matt will bring it to a big close on Sunday with the fourth message. But I do want to introduce this book to you, because if you have a look in your Bibles, you'll notice that Genesis has 50 chapters. It's a huge book. And I'm not going to give you a survey of the entire book, but let me just say this, that you need to begin by understanding the name. It's called the book of Genesis. And the word Genesis simply means beginnings. Why is the book of Genesis called beginnings? Well, it's called beginnings, not just because it's the first book in the Bible, but it's called the book of beginnings because it does record the beginning of everything. You have the beginning of the universe recorded in the book of Genesis. You have the very first man in the book of Genesis. You have the very first woman in the book of Genesis. You have the very first sin in the book of Genesis. You have the very first child mentioned in the book of Genesis. You also have other things like the very first death found in the book of Genesis. This is a book of beginnings. It shows us how everything started. And the book of Genesis is quite amazing because the first 11 chapters tells us about four very important events. It tells us about the creation of the world. It tells us about how sin came into the world and broke everything. It tells us about the event of a worldwide flood. And it tells us about how God changed the languages of human beings. It also tells us about four very important people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph. We learn about special promises and covenants that God made with Abraham that is going to be something that's going to bring a blessing across the earth to people, not just from one country, but people from all over the place are going to benefit from the amazing promise that God 
makes well. The book of Genesis is so exciting and I would encourage you to spend a long time reading and reading and reading the book of Genesis and becoming familiar with it. But I don't have time this evening to tell you any more about the the big picture of Genesis. I want to just jump right into chapter 1 and tell you about my two points this evening and that is the God of creation and secondly I want to tell you about the days of creation. Well, to start us off, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1 and let's have a look at beginning in verse 1. This is a very important verse for you to memorize because this book gives us the foundation for everything else you're going to learn in the Bible and it gives you the foundation for the meaning of everything in this world and in your life. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What an amazing statement. That first verse of the Bible explains to us why we're here, why there is actually a universe. We're told that in the beginning, in the beginning of what? In the beginning of time as we know it. At the beginning of this universe, this universe was not always around. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when you hear the words heavens and earth, that's referring to the entire universe. The material universe. Everything you see with your eyes, God made it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But what do those two verses, well, that's actually verse 1, tell us about the God of creation? The very first thing I want you to know about the God of creation is this. The God of creation is eternal. Eternal means that he has no beginning and he has no end. I want to read to you another verse. This is from the book of Psalms. And this particular psalm, Psalm 90, was written by the same man who wrote the book of Genesis, by Moses. Psalm 90, beginning in verse 1, reading down to verse 2, says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. What Moses is saying there is, before there was anything in this universe, before anything was around, you were there, God. You have always been here. No one made you. You are self-existent. You don't depend on anyone for anything. You have always been around. You are eternal. Now that makes God so different to you and so different to me, doesn't it? All of you have been here in this world for a certain period of time, but you're not eternal. There was a moment when you came into existence, which means there was a time when you did not exist. You weren't here. No one knew anything about you. No other human did. You did not exist. You were not here. But God, he has no beginning. Over in the book of Isaiah, we learn this concerning God. 
Now listen to these amazing words that describes the greatness of his character, the greatness of who he is. This is what makes him so different to us. We read in the book of Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 27 to 28, my way is hidden from the Lord and my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. In Genesis chapter 1, when we read, in the beginning, God First of all, we learn that this God, who is the creator of everything, was around before the beginning of this world. This world only exists because there was one who was around. There was one who never got tired, who never got weary. There was one who never depended on anyone else in the universe to help him be strong or to gain knowledge. There was one who was self-existent, one who is eternal, one who was always around. When Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, the first thing we learn about the God of creation is that the God of creation is eternal which immediately means he's different to you and me. He is eternal. He has never had a beginning. That's how the universe came into existence. It came into existence by an eternal one, a self-existent one, one who did not depend on anyone or anything, but he always was. But secondly, we learn something else about him. What else do we learn about the God of creation? In the beginning, God created. We learn that this God who is eternal is also powerful. He's so powerful that he was able to create a universe. Now we're going to see as you read through the book of Genesis how he did this. He simply speaks. And as he speaks, the universe comes into existence. God creates the universe out of nothing. There wasn't nothing that became something. There was someone who made something out of nothing. And this someone is God, and he is powerful. He is powerful enough to create a heaven and an earth. Now, as I look around in this room, I'm sure many of you are pretty creative. You might be creative in decorating your room. You might be creative in drawing pictures. You might be creative in what you can do outdoors. You might be creative with woodwork. You might be creative with music. Some of you will be really creative people. But the thing is, you need something in order to be creative. God created the world out of nothing. In the beginning, God created. 
God spoke. And as he spoke, he brought this universe into existence. In the beginning, God created. But we also learn that this God who is eternal, this God who is powerful, is also a God who has made himself known. If he didn't make himself known, we would never know him. God has made himself known to us by creating a universe. The universe that he has actually created is like an arena that celebrates his glory. God has created a huge theater, which is the universe. And the universe is evidence that he exists. And the only reason we know this God exists is because this God has made himself known. And he's made himself known firstly through the universe that he's created. As we study the universe, we are actually studying what he has made. And we begin to learn things about him from the universe that he's made. And we should study the universe because it's what he has made. So we learn straight away in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We learn about someone who is eternal, someone who is powerful, and someone who has actually made themselves known. He wants us to know who he is. Now, there is so much more about this God that we learn about in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, as you read through the book of Genesis and the rest of the Bible. But I want you to see just in that opening verse, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I want you to see someone who's eternal. I want you to see someone who's powerful. And I want you to see someone who has chosen to make himself known. Now we come to the next point. And the next point is what we could call the days of creation. We've learned a little bit about the God of creation. And I know I'm slightly repeating myself here, but I really want to stress Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 doesn't tell us everything about the God of creation, does it? Just gives us an introduction. You need to read the rest of the Bible to learn more about him. But as you go to verses 3 to chapter 2 verse 3, we see the days of creation. Now, let's just quickly look at verse 2, because this is going to uh, introduce us to these days. We read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the earth was without form and void. That means that the earth that God had created, he spoke, and suddenly there was a, a bunch of mass it's what is going to shape into the earth. But when he first created it, when he spoke it into existence, it was without form. It was without proper shape. And not only that, it was void, which means it was empty. So kind of think of 
this mass that God's made, it's, it's got no shape. There's no appearance of beauty to it yet. It doesn't seem to make sense. It's empty. There's nothing inside of it. And in addition to that, we're told that darkness was on the face of the deep. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but in this instant act of creation was this mass that was without form. It was empty. And it was dark. This actually sounds something that, in one sense, is a little bit scary. Without the form, without the filling, without the light, no one wants to belong in this mass that's just completely empty and completely dark. And this is what brings us to the days of creation, because after God had immediately brought this into existence, we read that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, which means God is about to do something huge. And we we learn in the Bible something very amazing here. Genesis is the beginnings of things. This is the first, it's like this is the first temple that God is going to make. Every time we see a a temple being made, we hear about the Spirit of God being involved in it. Well, God is about to do something big. So what we learn in Genesis chapter 1, from verse 3, all the way through to verse 31, is the days in which God creates the earth. Now, what I want you to see is something fascinating. We learn that God creates the heavens and the earth in six days. He didn't need six days because if he just spoke and the heavens and the earth had come into existence, but it was without form, it was empty and it was dark, he could have just spoken it into its final form, but he chose to do it over six days. And we'll learn in a moment why that is important. But what I want you to see first of all is there is something fascinating about the fact that God does this in six days. Now, not all Christians agree on what that means when it says that God created the heavens and the earth in six days. Some people think that the word day just means that God did this over a long period of time. It was like six long ages in which God did this. A day with the Lord is like a thousand years, someone might say, and this just took place over a long period of time. Other people say, well, no, he actually didn't do it over a long period of time. He actually did it instantly. There was someone who was in the church many, 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 many years ago, a very important Christian leader, but he held to a strange view, and that was that God actually created in an instant. And the word six days just simply means that it's a poetic way of of describing him instantly creating the universe. Well, I don't really want to go into this debate too much, but let me just say that I really think the meaning is the plain meaning, the traditional understanding of this text. And when the Bible says that God created this in six days, these days actually represent six actual days. And why do I think that? 
Well, there's a few reasons why I think these are actual days. Uh, number one is we read that at the end of each of these days, it was there was morning and evening. And that gives us a time frame as to how long that day was. Uh, secondly, the word day sometimes in the Old Testament means a long period of time, but where you see a number added to that day, that number defines and limits that day to that number. So I think the natural way of reading this is to simply understand this as six actual days. Okay, I don't think we even need to go much more into that because I think that would be the plain reading of this text. But that's not really the most important thing to talk about when you study the six days. What's the significant thing going on here? Well, let me show you a fascinating pattern that goes on. Remember in verse 2, verse 2 says that the heavens and the earth were without form, they were empty, and there was darkness over the waters. But then we read something fascinating happens on Days one, two, and three, God forms the earth. He, he takes this mass that he created and he begins to form it and shape it. Have a look at what you read in, in the text of Scripture. I'll just quickly go through this. We see, first of all, in verse 6, that there was an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from, excuse me, down to verse four. Sorry, I jumped ahead. And the Lord saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. And he called the light day and the darkness he called night. Then we see that he, uh, uh, there was a, an expanse in the midst of the waters and he divided the waters from the waters. Uh, we go down to verse 9 and he says, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. All of a sudden, there is now light. All of a sudden, there are waters in certain places and there is dry land in certain places. God is beginning to form this world that he has made. And then on days 4, 5 and 6... God then fills the earth that he formed. And the really interesting thing is, day four matches day one. Day five matches day two. And day six matches day three. What God formed on the first day, in the second set, he filled. What he formed on the second day, he filled in the second on the second set, and so forth. But the next really cool thing is he begins each set with light. On day one, he speaks light into existence. And on day four, he creates the sun and the moon. What we see here is an incredible pattern. There is an order. There is a design. There is a logic. There is something going on here that's not random. Nothing weird is going on. This just makes sense. What we have here is a perfect designer who has spoken this mass into existence and is now forming this mass and is now filling this mass and is making it look beautiful. In fact, we are told 
that the whole outcome of God creating these things and forming these things and filling these things is so that we would see that it was all good. The universe, the physical universe that God has made is good. God has made this world and he made it good. It's his world and it's a world that he said is good. This is what's going on in the beginning of the book of Genesis. But as you read through the book of Genesis, you you just have these little things that are showing us the amazing creativity of God, the wisdom of God, the goodness of God, but also just the power of God. There is this amazing statement as you read that God created the sun, he created the moon, and then just suddenly the text says, oh, and he made the stars also. You know how many stars there are in the galaxy? I actually don't know. There are too many. But the text of Scripture says that God just made them also. As if it was just a passing thought. Yep, he made the stars instantly. Creative, powerful, and wise. But as you read through all these days of creation, you come to day six and you'll notice that Moses spends most of his time talking about what happens on the sixth day. Now, I'm not going to spend a long time talking about this, but I will say it in passing, that we have the highest, most important thing that God created on the sixth day. More important than the sun, than the moon, more important than trees, more important than water, more important than any animal that you could imagine, God created the very first man. And we're told that he created him in his image, which means he created him in his likeness. Not physically, because God is a spirit, but he made him in his likeness in that he made man to represent him on earth. And God is actually the ruler of everything, but God has given the man the responsibility to be the ruler of everything. And not only did he make the first man to be the ruler of everything, he made a woman out of man's side to help the man to rule everything. God created a beautiful order of the very first marriage in which there would be a a man who would lead and provide and protect and there would be a woman coming along his side to help him and support him in this task of looking after this garden that God had created. But you'll notice in chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, that there is actually one more day, the seventh day. God created the world in six days, but on the seventh, he rested. Now, now why did God rest? It's not because he was tired. Okay, I have a rest every day. You have a rest every day. We go to sleep. We need to sleep. Even when we think, well, I don't need to go to sleep, you sleep. We all need to sleep because we get tired. We get weary, but God doesn't get tired and weary. God didn't rest because he was tired. God rested because he was finished from creation. He's not resting from working. He's resting from actually bringing everything into existence. He stopped. He's brought everything into existence. 
Of course, God continues to make the universe work. If he stopped working, the universe would implode and we would no longer be here. But God holds everything together by the power of his word, according to the book of Colossians chapter 1. But he rested. And he did something special about the seventh day of that first week. He, he set that day aside and said, this day is now holy. And from that moment, all the way until Jesus died on the cross, the very last day of the week was set apart to be a holy day, a day where God was to be worshipped, a day set apart from all the work that we are to be doing. We're supposed to fill our week, those six days, working hard and being diligent and being productive and showing God's greatness in whatever we do. But on the seventh, we're to stop and we're to rest and we're to remember him and worship him. Just fast forward in time when Jesus died on the cross, he was buried and he, was ro he rose again on the third day. And on that first day of the week, uh, Jesus appeared to his disciples many occasions and the church started worshipping Jesus on the first day of the week. And we learn in the New Testament that that first day of the week is that new day that is set apart to remember the Lord and to worship him. But that first day of the week is also a picture of something that's going to happen one day. And that is those who've been forgiven of their sins and trust in Jesus will experience rest forever with God in the new heaven and new earth. Now I want to bring all of this to a summary. I've just given you a whole lot of information about the God of creation and the days of creation, but why is that important? Why do you need to know this? Well, here's just three things I want you to remember. First of all, I want you to remember that when you read Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 all the way through to chapter 2 and verse 3, you need to first of all realize that this chapter teaches us that there is a God. There is a God. You are in this world, I am in this world, but you need to remember that there is a God. He is eternal. He is the maker of heaven and earth. And this God is powerful. He owns all things. He rules all things. And he doesn't depend on anyone for anything. You need to know that there is a God. Secondly, you need to know that this universe exists because of that God. He created this world. It is his. He owns it. And that means he owns you. You are his you are in this world because this great, powerful, almighty God had a purpose for you to be here. But thirdly, you need to remember a final thing. And that final thing is you owe this God worship because of who he is and what he's done. Let me read to you Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. These are the words that a whole lot of God's people who are in heaven say to God. You are worthy, O Lord, 
to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. All of God's people in heaven there are saying, God, you are the one who made everything. The only reason we exist is because of you and we owe you all the praise, all the worship forever and ever. We are yours and you are the one who is to be greatly praised. Now, I want to encourage all of you. This is only the beginning of a very exciting story in the Bible. When God created this universe, it wasn't random. It wasn't a mistake. God deliberately chose to bring this universe into existence. He formed it, he filled it, and he placed in it humans to rule in it. And if Adam, the very first man, ruled and obeyed God in accordance to what God would in accordance to what God had said, it would have resulted in a reward that would have blessed all people that would come after him. But Adam failed. And we'll learn more about the consequences of that. And God has a solution. A solution that brings hope to people who are in a world that is just going wrong and a world that is getting worse. What's needed in this world, the only solution to this world, the only way in which the command given to the first man, a man called Adam, to rule over this world, the only way this world could ever be fixed is if there is another Adam who will actually rule on this earth. And there is, and he will. But that's not for me to talk about now. I want you to be reminded from Genesis 1 that there is a God who created all things, and this God who created all things created all things well and all things with a purpose, and you owe him everything. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the privilege and opportunity to be able to talk about creation. I talk about this amazing chapter that you have revealed to us. Help us learn that you are the Lord God. We are your creatures and we owe you everything, our lives, our all. Help us to trust in you. Help us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and experience the life that only he can give. I pray that you bless all these teenagers this coming weekend and all the teaching and the workshops they're going to receive. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.